morning and welcome to Bite Size. My name is Yoni Pollock, and I'll be your host every Wednesday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Um, I have to apologize to my audience, to the listeners. Uh, I misled you last week. We know the elections were finished, and uh, I told you that I was excited that the time of everyone arguing on Facebook and everyone complaining on Facebook would come to an end, but I was totally mistaken. For the last week, the only thing on my Facebook feed, it seems like, is people still complaining, people not liking the choice of president, and frankly, um, while I don't want to get political, because uh, I'll be honest, I'm relatively uneducated when it comes to uh, politics and those sorts of things, but uh, he's our president, and... At this point, there's nothing you can do about it, so everyone just needs to accept it and hope for the best. Moving on, uh, this week's Bite Size is sure to be uh, exciting. We'll be joined shortly by Mark Zomik, a an important and valuable piece of our network, but more importantly, he is the producer of this week's Venice Trip. And by, when I say this week, I mean I, Mark, and many other Members of the team will actually be hopping on a plane to Venice. Uh, let's see, in what, like nine, ten hours or so? So uh, Mark will be joining Bite Size to preview the upcoming trip in what's sure to be an exciting, what is it, I think like four or five days that we're in Venice. So uh, we'll hear everything that Mark has to say about the upcoming trip uh, in just about 20 minutes or so. Tova Knech joins us later on in the show with an interview with uh, the hottest new Facebook sensation, Yonina. For those of you that haven't somehow come across them on Facebook, Yonina is a uh, an Israeli couple that simply just plays music. One on the guitar, the other one singing with their little baby. And uh, I remember seeing them early on and they were okay, it was cute, it was it was good music. And then, uh, lo and behold, now they're up to over, I think, 100,000 likes on Facebook. So Tova Knecht will join us later on with that interview. And then last, but certainly not least, Leora Zamek. Uh, she was at a challah this past, uh, just previous to the Shabbos project. And uh, she has an interview from there. So plenty coming up here on Bite Size. Going to kick it over to some music with Soul Farm from volume number two. What are we going to go with? Kiva Moed. So you're tuned into Bite Size and stay right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Keep on moving. 
flash of somebody's lack of love Or you can start speaking up Nothing's gonna hurt you the way that words do And they settle neath your skin Get on the inside, no sunlight Sometimes a shadow wins But I wonder what would happen if you Say what you wanna say And let the words Hashem, I read. 
Yehuda's Rock Likaya Mitzvos as you're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. 
We're joined now by a valuable member of our Nachum Siegel Network team, Mark Zamek, the producer of the upcoming Venice trip, which uh, we're actually hopping on a plane in just about nine, ten hours or so. So, uh, Mark, welcome to the program. I am happy to be with you, Yoni. I'm not even packed yet. Oh, I'm in a full-on panic. I'm hoping uh, Miriam lets me out a bit early today so I could go and uh, pack up my one pair of shoes and one pair of pants. That's probably all I need, right? Well, just make sure you bring a big bag because we all have stuff we're stuffing in your bag. Oh, all right. Game on. So, Mark, we are headed to Venice, as many of our listeners know, but what they don't know is why Venice and why now. So please uh, tell us why. Well, that's a good question. I think that we've been discussing Venice for a while. This year is the 500th anniversary of the establishment of the ghetto in Venice, and um, there was a very big celebration over the course of the summer and into the fall in Venice, and we... Um, we just thought it was a great time to go. Uh, it's so interesting, as we, I'm sure we'll talk about, listeners will hear, especially on Monday and Tuesday next week, I'm sure we'll talk about the rich history of the Venice Jewish community and the history of the Italian Jewish community in general. There are a lot of differences in those communities um, between Rome and Milan and, and Venice. You know, they all came from different places, so we'll hear about that. But it's just interesting. I've never, you know, I've never been to Europe just, well, we were in Paris last year, but, um, you know, to, to visit these smaller Jewish communities um, and, and to understand the history and to understand um, the challenges they faced over the course of, um, you know, a very rich history. So, um, and, and there are still active Jews, um, at least two active shuls in, uh, in the Venice community, two active kosher restaurants. So there are still Jews that live in Venice. And we're going, as we did in Paris last year, to um, to show our support and our solidarity to Jews around the world. So you uh, you just mentioned Paris. How does, as the producer of the show of both Paris and now in Venice, how does the planning compare from this trip to the last trip? It's very different. I think that every single time we raise our bar, and I would uh, say to you as a moment of warning, if you thought you worked hard during the three or four days we were in Paris, um, you might want to prepare a little extra for uh, what the expectations are, because we have, from a programming perspective, set the bar very, very high. And while we're not doing a huge concert production, we are doing a nice Malabo Malka on Saturday night on a much so- smaller scale. But the, um, the the Jam and the AM shows that we're doing um, will, um, at least we're shooting the bar pretty, pretty high to um, to really deliver uh, what could be um, our best program we've ever done. So um, beware of the behind-the-scenes work there, Mr. Pollock. Oh, I'm ready. Because there will be, um, there's going to be a lot of video editing. I think of the, the two Jamie the AMs that we're doing, there might be a total of six locations from which we are um, doing various parts of the show, maybe even seven locations, eight if you want to get technical about it, of various pieces of the show. Um, so uh, it's very, very exciting. I uh, I had the opportunity to talk to ZK Saturday night, um, and I said to his wife was there, and I said, uh, "So is he is he is he talking about me uh, in, in his nightmares and his sleep yet?" <laughs> so he laughed, and he and 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 he said to me, "Look, at this point, you're going to tell me where to go, and I'm going to go." So uh, he, I guess he, maybe he trusts me more than he used to, or it's just not worth worrying about it. But uh, we have been very aggressive in our creativity of uh, how we're producing these shows. We're really excited about it. Um, but we are, you know, we're doing part of a show from a museum and part of a show from uh, an old synagogue and part of a show from 
uh, an art gallery and part of the show from a restaurant and part of the show outside Venice, um, part of the show from Malava Malka. So a lot of different pieces. You're going to get a real feel of the Venice community. Venice is going to be a star of the show, whereas I would say the Parisian Jewish community was a star of our show in Paris, and certainly everything focused around the big concert that we did. We did do one or two, um, or maybe a couple interviews we did outside in, um, you know, we did a couple scenes out in the Bataclan, but but I think that, that, that here the idea was we want to make um, the, 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 the Venice we want to make Venice the star of the show, and we're doing very, you know, everything we can to make that happen. Right. So JM and the AM, for those that are wondering, it, it's Monday and Tuesdays, JM and the AM, which will be from Venice. And um, But before that, before those JM and the AM takes place, we actually are participating, and uh, we have a Milava Malka going on, Smotse Shabbos, November 19th. That'll be at uh, Gimel Garden, and the, the two stars of the show are Itzik Dadia and Daniel Ahaviel. The, uh, Miriam's a little upset that I pronounced it correctly here, but uh, <laughs> Daniel Ahaviel, the, uh, the famous fiddler. Um, so what went into the choices of going with those two for the Malava Malga? Um, uh, you know what? When you, when my, my experience is, at least peripherally, when you're dealing with David Fadida as the producer of any musical performance, whatever he wants to do, he gets to do. You know, he was the impresario who uh, organized the uh, the big Paris concert in the Great Synagogue. Where um, it's interesting. I remember when we were there, um, it, it, we had asked how many people sit in the shul, and I think it was maybe two thousand, twenty one hundred. The last number I heard, there were thirty five hundred people. Out of that number, just keeps getting bigger. This is going to be a decidedly smaller, much more intimate performance. There's actually a keyboard player coming. Um, I got to look up his name. Um, who Ohad was talking about over Shabbat, who's really a, a fantastic, fantastic keyboard, who um, works very well with Itzhak Dadia because I think he has more of a Eda Haradit background, you know, a Sephardi background. Um, so, um, you know, they're bringing a, um, they're bringing a, you know, a keyboard player as well as the violin player. I'm not sure, but I know a violin and a fiddler are technically the same thing. It would be interesting to ask him, um, assuming he speaks English, um, it would be interesting to ask him. Um, Yako Fenster is the piano player, by the way. It would be interesting to answer Daniel Aviel. Um, you know, I think some violin players make it insulting when you call them fiddle players. So uh, I don't know. Just, just you know, right. be warned. Um, but uh, yeah, and I think that they, you know, I, the, the the Venice community is um, unlike the. Jewish community in Rome, that it's a decidedly, historically, Sephardi community. They really came over from, you know, from Spain and Portugal. And um, so the the Minhagim, as they would say, um, are, are, are decidedly, my understanding is, um, is Sephardi, which is why uh, it would be helpful to have Simon Jacob there to uh, make sure he can translate for us. <laughs> of course. So uh, anyone that, that knows me, um, traveling is not necessarily something uh, coming into at least this job that I love to do. But now we've been to Paris, we're going to Venice, we've been to Israel a few times, Chicago. One of the most exciting things about traveling for me is the food. So uh, can you enlighten our listeners, <laughs> right. enlighten, and frankly enlighten me on, on what can I expect food-wise going to Venice? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, you know, uh, I, I, My understanding is there's a lot of pasta, so there'll be definitely a carb load. Um, 
and um, I'm sure Miriam will be sponsoring a fun run at some point, uh, either Friday or uh, Sunday, for God to maybe to work off some of the calories of the um, <laughs> of the pasta. Um, and there will be, uh, at least on Sunday, my understanding is a reasonable amount of alcoholic beverage intake. Um, but um, you know, I, the truth is, I, I I know there'll be food because it won't be a Nachum single production if there weren't food. But I do believe that. Um, um, I, I'm waiting to be presently, you know, impressed and surprised. Right, and forget about the food. But I hear we're also headed to uh, to a winery over there. Yes, trip. the Bartner Winery Sunday, a significant drive. But we would do, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, you're getting so close. You might as well just get a little bit farther. And um, uh, and we're looking forward to wine tasting and learning about wine and learning about um, learning about uh, all the. Um, the things that um, that uh, you know make Italy, Italian wine different. I assume you know Italian kosher wine is much more of a new thing um, to uh, um, you know to our community, and um, we're going to go see what it's all about. It sounds. Uh, I'm excited. I know the, the the trip going there is going to be long, but uh, I'll have my my. I mean, I'm sure I'm, you're going to be putting me to work on that bus. I assume so. So. Uh, correct. On the bus, I assume we're going to be putting together um, most of the show on Monday, Monday's show and even part of the show, Tuesday's show, depending on what we get on. We'll actually have some work for you to do today. I don't know if Miriam gave it to you yet. Um, but, uh, I'm avoiding uh, her. It, uh, okay, that's fair enough. But um, I know that uh, we talked about, you know, whatever we could do as prep, the more time we get to, um, you know, to be a little bit more creative there uh, while we're there. But it's really... This is really the first time I think that we're we're really focusing on the video and audio as equal partners to uh, to the broadcast. You know, when we started out, it was only audio, and then we did video along with the audio. And even in Paris, we raised the bar a little bit by doing some stand-ups and other things, and you know, in the supermarkets, et cetera, where video was partly a focus. But here, um, really, everything that we do. Um, we're, we're focusing on an entire, you know, a multimedia production with full audio and full video to uh, enhance our listeners. And as I said, you know, Venice needs to be the star of the show, along with Nachum, of course. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you that aren't aware, Nachum and the rest of the Nachum Siegel Network, we're all heading to Venice later, actually tonight. And we'll be doing two JM and the AMs November 20th and 21st, so make sure to tune in, and you could watch the video as well on NahumSiegel.com. We're also having a Saturday night Malava Malka featuring Itzik Dadia and Daniel Ahaviel. That'll be available on NahumSiegel.com as well, and it'll be live for those of you in the Israel area or overseas. For those of you in America, you'll be able to tune in and check it out, uh, I guess, later on Saturday night or Sunday morning. So everything and... Everything is available on NahumSiegel.com, the NSN app. And, uh, Mark, thank you so much for uh, enlightening me on what's what's ahead. I know the planning for this trip, uh, what was it? You probably spent uh, several months already on it. So, uh, Yeah, another it, couple of conference calls today to hopefully wrap up some more of the details. There you go. Mark Zamek, producer of this upcoming Venice trip, thank you for joining us here on Bite Size. My pleasure. I'll see you later. And now we'll play for you Itzik Dadia and Daniel Ahaviel's Rabbi Nachman, a video uh, they shot several years ago, so uh, they might sound a little different now, but anyway, here is Itzik Dadia and Daniel Ahaviel's Rabbi Nachman. You're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachman Segal Network. Rabbi Nachman, me'uman. 
רבי נחמן מאומן ומלמעלה הוא שומר, 
קצר ואויב לא יתקרב, אך לאח ויד ביד, ישראל זה עמך, ומלמעלה הוא עוזר, שומר שומר
Hashem, here we go now, here we go again. Oh, ye new Yenukechomim, it's like you're sleeping, sleeping. Bosimole, Sechoi Pino, there's a smile deep, deep within you. Ushaneinu, Rina, Rina, this song's for singing, Rina. Shiramalois, Vishu Vashem, here we go now, here we go again. Oh, ye new Yenukechomim, it's like you're sleeping, sleeping. Bosimole, Sechoi Pino. Don't wanna fight no more. There'll be no more wars. 
children will play one day, one day, one day, one day, one day, when things all change, treat people the same, stop with the bad and stop with the hay, one day we'll all be free and proud to be. And that was Matsus Yahoo's One Day Covered by Yonina, the newest, hottest Facebook sensation in Israeli couple. You can check them out on Facebook, Yonina. But Tova Knecht, a regular contributor here at Bite Size, had the opportunity to interview them a few days ago. So we'll hear all that Tova and the couple Yonina has to say right here on Bite Size. Thank you, Yoni. I'm sitting here in Yerushalayim with Yoni and Nina Tokayer of the music band Yonina. They're the exceptionally talented musicians and singers, their husband and wife, and their gorgeous daughter Ashira sitting on their lap. <laughs> Hi, Ashira. She's so cute. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's fun being here. <laughs> so I, along with hundreds of thousands of others, every week eagerly anticipate a new music video. Um, you make them specifically for Shabbat? We try and sort of po- usually post it, like, towards uh, the weekend, so people can have, like, a moment of a uh, Shabbat atmosphere. <laughs> so nice. So tell me, what is it about your music that you think, don't be humble now, <laughs> what about your music do you think uh, is so relatable or so appreciated by the public that they feel the need to share it and share it with all their friends? That's a good question. We ask ourselves that a lot. Um, I think... We actually don't know. I think it's just the... Maybe the simplicity, in a way, because we're not really... We're just sitting at home. It's kind of like a... In a way, like, we're, like, friends with everyone. Like, we're just, like, sharing songs and not like putting out anything official we also we, we just film it from our iPhones we usually don't do too many takes and and I guess I guess that comes through like people feel like it's real we hope no it's definitely real it's sincere and your harmonies are gorgeous and I mean I'm just gonna let you know what I think is <laughs> so beautiful about your music but I think really just talking to friends reading comments people really appreciate your the natural you know how you relate to the baby in the videos, or how you relate to each other, and uh, it's really so beautiful. Um, Is there one music video that you think has had, like, one or two, or three or four, um, that has had, like, the biggest impact um, so far? I'd definitely say... Two. Yeah. Which? Like, one one day and Modani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had two main videos that, like, really... (laughs) That's what she She's already so musical. <laughs> She's singing. Hi. She's singing. I think we had two main videos that really sort of got us out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was One Day, which... By Matisseau? Yeah, by Matisseau, which got like 1.7 million views on our page alone, and it wow. was reposted by a few other pages, and 
all together probably got up to like 30 million views. That's amazing. Which is a number we can't even imagine. Like, it's crazy. And I'm um, sure even like it went beyond that. Yeah, yeah, who yeah knows? we don't know because other people know. just repost like, like downloaded track. and reposted it, so we don't know. Like, like I was, if someone sent us this like uh, link to it in this Turkish. Yeah, the Turkish page reposted it and claimed that we were Turks. <laughs> oh, <wow>. um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and you know, it didn't have we didn't watermark it because we had just filmed it in our in our car. We didn't think that it would it would right. get anywhere, so we didn't even bother to watermark it. But people are just reposting it all over. And I guess another one was Modani, which uh, which is more. It's an Israeli, Israeli song. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was more local. It's okay. The one who loves Ashira already, she's gonna be a musical star also. <laughs> yeah, Ashira. Right. Yeah. She likes Modani. Yeah, so Modani is uh, a song by Omar Adam, and <laughs> a song by Omar Adam, and the song is all about. It's kind of like on the words of Modani that we say in the morning part of. The davening, the prayers. Uh-huh. Um, are you just talking about all the... Being thankful. Everything. Being thankful for everything that we have. It talks about... Yeah, it talks about everything, pretty much. He's just The whole song is just being thankful for everything. I think... People relate to that. Yeah, people relate to that. Just being thankful. Being thankful, appreciative, for yeah. sure. So, looking at Ashira, I think she's definitely uh, already musical. <laughs> I think she... Uh, Agrees. From what age do you, can you remember yourself? Like, what type of childhood did you have? A musical childhood growing up? I think so. I think we both did. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> um, I come from a family like my father is a chazan, my grandfather is a chazan. Um, I had my first instrument was violin. Violin, yeah. Um, and you know, like just like um, all the tefillot, all the uh, different, I don't know what, Shabbos meals at my house. Um, yeah. So, is the rest of your family musical also? My father is a musical. Yeah. And my sister, one of my, I, <laughs> I have some some aren't some are less. <laughs> My family is very artistic. I have a sister that she's like a dance a dancer, and oh. I have a sister that's a, an artist. Okay, so everybody has their own talent. Right. And that's what I was saying. Maybe, maybe you won't want her to listen to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say anything wrong. No, you didn't say anything wrong. Can you remember any, do you have any uh, musical memories that are like your fondest musical memories? I, I say this a lot in interviews, but whenever. My brothers used to tease me or anything. I, I grew up with three older brothers. But whenever I'd, I'd be upset as a kid, my mom would always tell me, it's okay, write a song about it. Oh. My mom was a writer. She writes mainly poetry. But I really feel like I, I sort of got that from her. And like she always pushed me to, to channel whatever I was going through into creativity and into writing. It was beautiful. Like, till this day, if I'm ever really like going through something, I'll try and write a song about it. Beautiful. So tell me about your backstory, how you met when you discovered that the two of you are musical. So we met in Tzfat, actually on a balcony in the old city of Tzfat. I, at the time, was doing my, my national service there, my shirut me, and Yoni was a tour guide. And over Shabbat, we were both staying in the old city, and um, we had this gorgeous balcony in the place where I was living that sort of viewed over like all the mountains of Miron that's around Tzfat, and sometime in the afternoon, 
I heard a whole group of teenagers going up to that balcony. So I sort of went up to, to see what was going on. And there was Yoni, and he was their, uh, their tour guide. And he asked me if it's okay for them to do a meditation there, sort of on this gorgeous balcony. And I said, that's fine. We had a really short conversation, just a few minutes. And I went to eat lunch, and I kind of forgot about it. And then a few months later, I actually got a message from him on Facebook saying, hi, I don't know if you remember me. We met on the balcony in spot. We actually have a few mutual friends. <laughs> keep going, keep going. And, um, and, and yeah, we started talking. And pretty early on in the conversation, we were both talking about what we love doing. And it came up that we both write music and we both really love singing and, and playing music. And uh, pretty early on, we just realized that we have this passion in common. It's really exciting. Yeah, on the first, <clears throat> the first um, phone call we had, so Nina's like, oh, cool, you do music, so send me your songs. And uh, we ended up exchanging, like, uh, music. We sent, like, uh, emails to each other before we even met. Oh, wow. And I sent a bunch of songs. And I wanted to sang. know if, uh, if it was worth meeting him, so... <laughs> Just give a good enough voice. <laughs> I had to audition him. But, um, but I actually loved... I loved the songs that he sent me, and... Um, and it got me really, it, it really made me want to meet him. So, uh, that got us off to a good start. And now at your Shabbat meals, let's say when you're, when it's time for Zmirot, is there, what are your go-to Zmirot that you sing? Ah, uh, it's a very good question. <laughs> we kind of funny, because you come from like different families. Very uh, different families. I'm like a very, uh, we have like, my family is very traditional about like the songs we sing. We have like this like tradition to sing certain songs. They have these tunes that not, no other Jew in the world knows no. if they're not from their family. Uh-uh. Uh, they're kind of like a cult in that sense. <laughs> and they're beautiful tunes. They're just nobody else is familiar with them. Yeah. So it took me about our first year of marriage to learn the tunes. Yeah. So we sing part of that. And then my family is sort of like gathered Zmiro from all over. We don't really have like a set tradition. So some one song is like to the tune of the Beach Boys. And one song is to the tune of Bumblebee Tuna, this ad. And we kind of like, so it's very eclectic. It's like a, it's like a mix of like tradition and Beach Boys. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a lot. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm holding your gorgeous daughter, Ashira. Does she have a favorite lullaby that you sing? And are there any lullabies that you would suggest to other parents putting their babies to bed? Mm. What's your favorite lullaby? So, I don't know. I, I think we kind of switched. Like we started, we started to sing Hamalach. And uh, we still do. Oh, we, oh, we sing, but but I think the, the song really calms her down. Yeah. Is, is the is a song that we actually put out called Ava. That whenever we drive in the car, even and she gets like fussy or something, if we put on that song, she just calms down. Do you put your own? You put your own music on. Our own music for her. Wow, it sounds kind of funny. Yeah. What? <laughs> I think she's heard it. So many times that, and she recognizes that it's us. So I think it soothes it her, calms her down. So Nina, talking about lullabies, um, you have a very funny story that you want to tell us. <laughs> so um, Johnson's Israel, sort of like the the baby product company, reached out to us a while ago and asked us if we could uh, write a lullaby for one of the events that they were having. And uh, we gladly agreed. We sat down. We wrote the song, and then. 
they asked us to send them just like a, a rough version, a rough recording, so they could sort of give us feedback on it and tell us if they liked it or not. So we recorded it on our phones, and we were both sitting there and, and singing it. And of course, our baby was with us, because <laughs> she always is. <laughs> just like she is now. And, uh, and in the recording, you could like hear her in the background the whole time, making noises and talking to herself, sort of like you can hear on the interview. And <laughs> we were kind of embarrassed about it. And Don't be embarrassed. I think everybody's enjoying it. <laughs> we, we hope it doesn't bother anybody. And, uh, and actually, after sending it to them, the feedback we got was that they loved it, and they thought it was so great how the baby sounds were in the background, and it's a lullaby, and it's so perfect, and and they wanted to sound just like that on the real recording, and we just thought it was really funny because we hadn't like planned to have her in there. She just always is. So I think it's good to have Ashira in the background on interviews and <laughs> recordings. Perfect. She has a definite future in music. Do you have any favorite musicians that um, you admire? Or that you learned from. I have so many, so many. <laughs> as I never know who to choose, but um, so choose a few. Right. Yeah. So, so there's like some stuff I grew up on. Like, um, I don't know if he's even like as known Yosef Kaldunel. Sure. Right. Yeah. So Kaldunel is like I love that. I love him. He even uh, he was even at our wedding. And he sang there. He sang at our wedding. Um. So I, I I love his music. I love his simplicity. I love his guitar and voice. Um, and also, I guess the um, the Moshe band also had a big influence on me. At least I think also Nina. Yes, she says yes. Yes. Um, and then there's just like a kind of like the music I grew up in at home. Like my parents, I grew up listening. Like my mom always had like you know. Um, Cat Stevens in the background, and 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 yeah, and James Taylor. James Taylor. So that music also influenced influenced me. And I guess it's just, it's it's hard to to really pinpoint. It's just like kind of like a collage of a lot of different types of music. Uh, and that, it comes out in your choice of music that you decide to share, right. with, you know, with everybody. Hey. Uh, so do you want to add something? No. Yeah. I think we really try and sort of make our videos colorful in the sense of a song in English, a song in Hebrew, an Israeli song, a Jewish song, because I think it kind of reflects the kind of music that we like listening to and the kind of music that we're inspired by. We want it to be something broad. And not... <laughs> you talk to a lot of different people that way also, that you reach right. so many different people. Yeah. Um, so on that note, your music is clearly impacting um, so many people across the world. Uh, it's transcending borders, it's transcending religions. Are there any um, people that you've been in touch with or that try to get in touch with you that are not necessarily from the Jewish religion that are... That you, you have, you're having a big Kiddush Hashem on a lot of people. So how do you how do you feel about that? It's amazing. Exciting. Exciting. Moving. Moving. Yeah. It's really special. We get all these comments, uh, a lot from Christians around the world, also from the Philippines. We have, a, 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 for some reason, I don't know how it happened. The but like, Philippines. We have a big, we have a big, like um, a lot of people follow us in the Philippines. It's wow. like the, our, in our Facebook. I think it's our third analytics. biggest. Analytics, yeah, it's the third, third biggest uh, 
What's place. The, it's Israel, then the United States, or United yeah. States, and then Israel? Uh, yeah, Israel, the United States, and then Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> we, actually, we actually once got a message from someone in the Philippines saying, uh, Hi, what's what's your religion and how do I join? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Um, Yeah, but I think think people... I don't know. It's it's just, I guess, I guess family and, and, and song is something universal. It's beautiful. And that, like, connects to any person. Um, let's talk about your CD that you're in the middle of recording right now. What can you tell us about your CD? So we did a, a crowdfunding campaign um, through a platform called Head Start just a few months ago. And thankfully we raised all the money we need to record an album, which is really fun. It's incredible. And really exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. And it's also good because it, it gives us like a an amount of time by which we need to have the album ready because there's so many people who are waiting for it um people who like purchase pre-purchased an album or, or supported our cause so that's good because it sort of gives us, you. It, motivates yeah. us, it gives us a deadline and we all know that it's better to work with the deadline and the album is going to be a compilation of music that yoni wrote music that i wrote music that we wrote together and we're even sort of backtracking to music that we both previously recorded before we even met each other so we're like including the songs that we sent each other. Yeah, that those night. two songs that we sent the first night we met. Oh, we just so finished today recording the song Nina sent me. I, I added vocals to it. Can you tell us what the name of it is? Yeah, it's, it's called Mamtini. Uh, it's about waiting for uh, for better days. Beautiful. Um, so these songs that are going to be on the CD are are these songs that people can hear at your upcoming events that you're. Having, you're, you're having events and then you're having a tour. So tell us about the events and the tour. Right. So yeah, so we've been doing concerts now for a few months. And during our concerts, we also sing some of the covers that we've done on Facebook and YouTube, things that people are familiar with and they like. And we also do, um, our, we also play our original music so that our crowd can get to know the songs that are going to be on our coming album. We actually have two main shows coming up in the next month. We have one show on December 6th in the Berale, which is uh, more like up north, and uh, in the north of Israel, in a kibbutz called La Votreviva. And we have another concert on the 29th of December in Ranana. It's uh, a full concert of ours, except that... It's a fundraiser all the, also. Exactly. All the, all the money that we're going to raise through this concert is going to a really great organization called Ten Gav, which... Uh, help specific cases um, of people in need that were referred to this organization by social workers, uh-huh. and 100% of the donations go to these specific cases in need. So, like, if somebody, if somebody needs a fridge, or if somebody, or God forbid, uh, don't have a bed, or, or all these, like, very, very specific cases, or so lost their like, job. So, you see, bed, you donate 300 shekel for the bed, and the guy gets a bed. It's, like, very... Right, and 100%, what's so special about this organization is that all of the money raised goes to the people in need, and none of it, nobody right. gets paid on the way. That's beautiful. So to everybody that's listening, I'll link that also uh, with Yoni, and I'll put it on my website so you can uh, find out how to donate if you're interested. Or come to the concert. Yeah, come or to come the concert to the... in Rana. 
And for all the American-based people that are listening right now, um, you have something very exciting to tell them. What, right. what do you want to tell everybody in America? Coming um, to America. We're coming. <laughs> we want to come, come to America. We've been receiving a lot of uh, requests to, from our U.S. Uh, following to perform in the U.S. So we're hoping to come in the end of the summer. So probably like mid-August to the beginning of September. And uh, we don't have exact dates yet. But first of all, we're open to invitations for private events or invitations to perform in. And, and you can find your information on your Facebook page? Yes, you can find all the information on our Facebook page. We'll be posting as we go along. But you want to tell know, everybody what's your Facebook page? Just Yonina. Write Yonina in Hebrew or in English on Facebook. Um, or yeah. Facebook.com slash Yonina Music. And uh, we know for sure that we're going to be coming to the New York area. And hopefully also to California. Maybe a few other places. So stay tuned. Yeah, so we're open. We're open for, for booking concerts. We're like we're coming, and we want to book. Uh, so, the concerts. So anyone that wants to talk to us about that, just send an email to Anita Music, and we'll be happy to get back to you. AnitaMusic@gmail.com. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm sure that uh, the American fan base is going to be thrilled that uh, you'll get to share your gorgeous music with them. Thank Before you. we end off, I'm going to ask each of you, what is your Israel happy place? Who wants to start? Who starts? I think, I think my my Israel happy place is probably the balcony where we met in Spat. Oh, that's so special. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it was. I really loved it even before we met there, but now that that's our the place where we we met, it got even so much more of a meaningful. Yeah, to me, it's just beautiful. It's peaceful. It's it's my place of clarity. I've written a bunch of songs on that balcony. I've had some great, deep conversations on that balcony. It's just, I feel like whenever I need to clear my head, that's the place to be. It's that on the balcony. Beautiful. And Yoni, what's your favorite place? Uh, my favorite happy place is a place called Tel Tzuba. It's uh, right outside of Yerushalayim, a place called Tzuba. And over there, there's like this, this ancient archaeological um, uh, mount that there's still, like, the ruins over there with, like, uh, ancient buildings and stuff with an amazing outlook on all the mountains of Jerusalem. And uh, I used to spend there even Shabbatot with my friends. And we used to just, like, everyone found, like, a room, a, a rune or a room in the room. <laughs> okay. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. Yeah, Tertuba. It's not so known. It's kind of secret. But... Now well, now, now they know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, it was really, for me especially, I'm a tremendous fan. I really want to wish you all the hatzlacha and success and continuing to have a beautiful hashba on the world at large with your gorgeous music. Mm-hmm. And also, if, I mean, if anyone that sends us messages on Facebook for all like the warm and positive messages, it's so... It's just, a beautiful thing. So for everyone to know, they actually read their messages. We do, we do. It's sometimes it takes us a while to get back to people just because, <laughs> thank God, our lives are so packed now. Um, and, and there's a lot of you. But uh, but it, it really means so much to us. So they really love the fan base. Well, thank you guys for sitting down with me. And thank you, Yoni. Back to you. Thank you, Tova. And that was Yonina. Again, you can check them out on Facebook, Yonina. Or in Hebrew, Yud Vav Nun, Yud Nun Hey. They are on tour in Israel throughout December, a little bit in January. If you have any questions, you can contact them. But uh, that was a, uh, you know, I, I came across Yonina, I want to say early on, and I just thought, okay, this is a cute video, um, good music, 
but you know, didn't really think much of it. And then they came out with another one and another one. And if you just scroll on their Facebook page, I mean, their videos have thousands of likes, hundreds of shares. Some of them have thousands of shares. That's incredible. Their Facebook page already over 100,000 likes. So, uh, you know, I don't think this is just 15 minutes of fame here. It seems like uh, people are excited about them. And uh, we'll see what the future has to hold with them. But Tova, thank you very much for sharing that interview with us. Again, Tova is Tova Knecht. You could check her out on Facebook, Tova in Israel. And uh, we thank her for her regular contributions here on Bitesize. So we're going to go to some music, and uh, I feel like it's fitting they mentioned this in their interview. So we're going to go with Yonina's Modani. You're tuned into Bitesize right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.
tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network as Leora Zamek joins the program. Leora attended the Kids of Courage Chalabake that took place right before the Shabbos Project, one of the many Chalabakes that take place all across the world, and we'll hear what Leora has to say both about the event and the special guest speaker. You're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Good morning. As part of today's show, I would like to share about an experience I had a little while ago at a Chalabik, um for Kids of Courage. I've been involved with Kids of Courage for a little over a year now. For those of you who are unaware of what it is, it's an organization that um, helps kids and teens conquer illness through adventure. So if you remember a while back, I had some interviews with a couple kids on the summer trip this year when we went to Texas. And this time, I decided to combine my hobby with of baking with my amazing friends at Kids of Courage, and we had a challah bake. It was truly an amazing night, unforgettable. I really enjoyed it. Um, in addition to the baking, I enjoyed the relationships and the friends that were there. We were joined, actually, by Charlene Aminoff. For those of you who do not know who she is, she is, I guess, the owner of Golly's Wigs, Golly's Couture Wigs, not exactly clear on the name, but Golly's. If you know anything about wigs, you've definitely heard of a Golly. Um, and it happens to be that last year, 
at a challah bake that I was at, also for the Shabbos project. Um, I the um, the person giving the speech while the challah was rising spoke about um, how Gali's wig sort of came about and. For anybody who doesn't know the story, you should definitely go and hear her speak about it. It has to do with her daughter and taking on the extra mitzvah of covering her hair, um, which made miracles happen for her and her family. So this year, um, I was actually, she did speak about that as well, but I really was touched by her speech that she gave as we began to make the challah dough. And... It was nice to hear um, the inspiration behind why she bakes challah. Um, and she actually said that when she took on the mitzvah, she didn't realize, you know, she sort of does things all the way. So she started to do it every single week and has been doing it every single week for years um, and has not missed a week. And I think she said over a decade, um, which to me is amazing. I bake challah very often. I don't do it every week because... We don't need challah every week, but for me, I do it every couple weeks, stick it in the freezer, and it's definitely something that I enjoy. Um, as a woman, I feel a special connection to the mitzvah of challah. If any of you have never taken challah or made challah, it's definitely a nice experience. You know, you really feel um, a connection to Sari Iminu through the challah, since we know that she... Um, really had uh, one of her niece in with that, that it stayed warm and fresh every single week. And you really feel a connection to our Judaism roots, <clears throat> and I enjoy it. So I learned from Charlene, um, which really uh, drew me in a little bit more to the mitzvah of challah, that for her, the reason she started baking is because she was told that through challah, if she used it as a schus for another mitzvah, if she used the merit of making her challah and focused her kavana to another mitzvah or something she wanted. So rather than just simply asking for that thing, um, she showed Hashem how much she really wanted it by focusing her efforts through another mitzvah. So what I really took away from that is that there's so, if there's something that you're looking for in your life or there's something that you feel that you're lacking in your life by taking challah and really doing the mitzvah to his fullest every single week or however often you can, Hashem will really send extraordinary things your way and you'll truly see a difference in your life. So it's definitely something that I'm going to focus on a little bit more for me. I hope that you enjoy her speech um, as you listen to it next and I hope that it inspires you to take on the mitzvah to a new level or any mitzvah really the same way it inspired me. I need everyone here to know why challah in specific is so meaningful to me. This is a little unknown fact about me. Um, probably no one has ever heard this. Natalie might have heard, Natalie is one of my prized possessions at Gali's Wigs. So you might have heard me saying this to other people, but um, publicly no one knows this. I struggled for many, many years with infertility before I had my first. I had a handful of miscarriages and I was told by top doctors that I would not have any children. So... I called Rabbi Moshe Weinberger from Ish Kodesh out here. He was my Rebbe in high school. And I had just finished building Baruch Hashem, this gorgeous, beautiful home in, in um, Great Neck. And I had these six stunning bedrooms with absolutely no noise and no kids and no laughter and no sound. And it, it felt like a haunted house because I kept saying, why do I need a house like this when there's no noise and children to fill these rooms? After my fifth and worst miscarriage, when I was at my lowest point of my life, I called Rabbi Moshe Weinberger and I said, Rebbe, Adkan, I'm up to here. I can't take anymore. I need a bracha to have children. 
And he said to me, my Hebrew name is Michal. So he said, Michal, you need to, you need to take upon yourself a mitzvah specifically in the area of Tzniut. So growing up in a Persian, you know, Great Neck, we're very traditional Jews, but we're very kind of like modern. And I'm Persian, so it wasn't so common in my community to become Tzniut and to cover up and everything. So I said, Rebbe, but I'm a very good person. I say to Hillen, we get stuck out, we do chesed. So what if I wear pants? So he said to me, you're right. You, you have a lot of good points, but there's something about the way you keep having these miscarriages and the fact that they couldn't even connect. None of the doctors were able to connect. There was no common denominator among any of the miscarriages. One was, there was all different problems. So they said, he said to me, try to give up pants and let's see what happens. So this was Cholamot Sukkot. So I said, fine. I, I was very upset because I was like, you know what? It shouldn't depend on that. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. My neshama is very from. So what? So he said, you're right. But your neshama and your body are on such ma- different madregos that it's like these babies that keep forming inside you don't know, is mommy the, the neshama mommy or is mommy the body mommy? And because there's such a machloket between the two, they abort. So bridge the gap between the inside and the outside and, and pray. So this was Cholamot Sukkot, and I decided I'm going to take him up on his offer, but I was going to do it in a way to prove to him that he's wrong. I was like, there's no way after spending all this time and money with all these infertility specialists that I'm going to become pregnant magically by stop wearing pants. So what did I do? I cheated. I would wear skirts five days a week, and then Thursday nights and Sunday nights when we would go out with celebrities or CEOs or people from hedge funds, I would sneak in a pair of pants. My husband's um, the retired CEO of a hedge fund. So we had a bit of a lifestyle that wasn't so conducive to from Kite. I said, you know what? You're wrong. It's not going to work. And for three months, I did what he said, and nothing happened. So I called him back. It was New Year's Eve, and we were invited to a very fancy party by some very fancy black rapper in the Hamptons, P. Diddy. I don't know if you guys know him. And we were going to his white party. And I had this perfect pantsuit laid out on my bed. And I was so excited to wear this. And I got a spray tan, and I was ready to go, and I was perfect. And I said, you know what? It's been three months since I've called Rabbi Weinberger for a bracha, and the Biala Rebbe, by the way, from B'nai Rock. I said, they both said the same thing. I'm upset that they gave me a condition to the bracha. Let me call them back and say, give me an unconditional bracha. Now, I did what you said. It didn't work. So I called Rabbi Weinberger, and he said to me, Michal, did you do it your way? Or did you do it my way? And I was like, why do you know this? Like, I can't, like, how do you know? So I said, well, I did it to the best of my abilities. And he said, okay, what do you have to lose if you do it 100%? Either you don't fall pregnant or you get pregnant. If you don't fall pregnant, if you don't want to continue, don't continue. But if you do fall pregnant, isn't it worth it? And I was like, it's worth everything in the world. So he's like, so call me in a month. So I hung up with him and I was literally like, you know what? Game on. I'm going to prove to you that it's not going to happen. I'm going to prove to you that your bracha doesn't, doesn't hold any ground. And I'm going to call you back in a month, devastated and impressed, and you're going to have to give me a really unconditional bracha. So as I was preparing to go to the Hamptons, I took every single pair of pants out of my closet, and Baruch Hashem made us a fabulous wardrobe. And I took every pair of pants, and it was the week that seven jeans had come out in Barney's, and I had a bag of unused seven jeans sitting in my room with the tags attached, and I looked at this, and I was like, I'm, I'm not even going to open it. I'm just going to throw it and not turn back. I gave every single pair of pants I had to my housekeeper as she was leaving for the weekend. And ladies, that was the week that I conceived my Jacob, who is now 12 years old. And 
What happened was during his pregnancy, I had a lot of scares and complications and struggles and troubles. And in his 20-week sano, in the five-month sano, you know, it's a very, very co- big, comprehensive, um, it's a very big test. And during that test, the, the, the radiologist was scanning me, and she looks, and she says, Oi. And I was like, oh, what? What now? And she said, I don't know. You know what? Hold on. And she left the room, and all of a sudden, 10 doctors come in. And my heart sank. I'm like, what? What's going on? So she says to me, there's something wrong with the baby. And I was like, by the way, my husband, who is a volunteer paramedic, I promise you, he collapsed on the floor of North Shore Hospital. And they had to throw me off the bed, and they had to put Jonathan on the bed. And they're giving him oxygen. And I'm standing there being like, wait a minute. Like, I'm not well. I'm not well right now. So they brought all these doctors in, and they're analyzing my, my child and the fetus. And they're looking at it, and they say, it doesn't look good. Don't get your hopes up. You probably are going to have to either have an abortion or you might, you're going to for sure have to have a, um, uh, an amnio. We could do a DNA. We could do a DNC. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? So pause, time out. We decided it's just too much. We're going to think about everything, and we're going to let you guys know what we decide. We left hysterically sobbing, crying, suicidal, you can name it. We right away called all the Rebbeim that we are you know, affiliated with, and... Rabbi Moshe Weinberger and the Biala Rebbe, two Rebbeim, again, the same people who had helped me, be, you know, stop wearing pants, said to me, the Biala Rebbe actually said it the strongest. He said to me, Michal, en ma lidog. There's nothing to worry about. And I was shaking, and I was like, how can you be sure? I can't take any chances. How can I be sure? Is my life at risk if I have this baby? What's going to be the, with the rest of my life? And he said, do challah this week. And try to make challah, if you can, in your ninth month again. And everything is going to be okay. So I'm a very extreme person. I'm very, very all or nothing in every aspect of my life. So I thought to myself, if he's telling me to make challah once, I'm just going to take it upon myself to bleed it and make it forever and ever. Because that's just how I am. So I said, okay, fine. So that Shabbat, I make challah. And I cried my eyes out. And I, I was so broken. But I said, Hashem, I'm going to give you, I'm going to connect to you through this challah. And because the Rebbe said that I'm going to have Yeshua by this, I'm, I'm completely relying on him. And I said, I'm done. Lo and behold, we went back two weeks later for a rescan, a recheck. And all the, the heads, heads of the unit come in. And they're scanning, and they're scanning, and they're looking, and they're like, hmm. And they open the file, and looking at the file, and looking at the screen, and looking at the file, and they're like, are you sure that number that we had last time was a f- correct? And I was like, what do you mean? You guys told me that th- this is at this number, and that's at that number, and that I have to come back for a recheck because it was completely off the charts. So they're like, no, it doesn't make any sense. It's perfect. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong. The baby is Baruch Hashem, Chazdei Hashem, Hodul Hashem. Perfect. Go. Don't even come back. Go come back again in a month just to be sure. So, of course, I realized that the challah has so much power and so much holiness that I believe Nadir a million times, I took it upon myself to bake challah every week, and it is now 12 years. I haven't missed a single Shabbat. But I do travel a lot. We go on vacation, so I made sure to keep a Bosch universal mixer in all of our summer homes, and anytime I'm on vacation, bags of challah join me, and I bake challah. So challah for me is my, my biggest baby. It's my biggest uh, love of my life. So everybody who's here tonight... Dedicate this mitzvah of challah baking to some area in your life that you want to see a Yeshua in because it is so powerful. You have no idea 
the kocho, the, the, the tremendous powers that Chala has, and especially, you know, they say um, power by numbers, the amount of women, the amount of Jewish women who are baking challah this week, that mitzvah that you're doing, this private personal little mitzvah, is being amplified and multiplied and squared and tripled by trillions. So daven your kishkas out the entire time that you're davening. Take upon yourself something specific that you're dedicating this challah to. And not only that, but the entire time that the challah is rising, constantly daven. Don't, don't go on your phone, don't, don't talk Lashon Hara, don't listen to Galish. Just do something that the entire time that the challah is rising, it's in a holy environment. I promise you, the compliments I, got, I get on my challah, I only say, I'm like, I'm, I can't take any credit. My recipe is nothing fabulous. It is a bash. It is a great mixer, but it's tefillot. And that's why Baruch Hashem, my challah is kind of known and great and to be the yummiest challah in the world. So it's just tefillot. So everyone tonight is going to use this time to really daven. And Bezrat Hashem, we're going to shake Shamayim and bring a lot of much-needed Yeshuot down. Thank you, Lior, for bringing all of that from the Kids of Courage Challah that took place right before the Shabbos project. More coming up on Bite Size, including this week's For the Door. As you know, we're headed to Venice. We're excited. And uh, nothing says Venice more than pasta. So this week's For the Door is top four pasta dishes. That'll come up in, uh, you know, just a few minutes as we get ready to wrap up this week's show. Usually happens around the 10.50 mark. So stay tuned for that. You're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Weber's Vesimloch off his new album, Aguda Achas, One Heart. You're tuned into Bite Size right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. And before we go, we have to play America's fastest growing game show, if you will. Is it a game show? Is it a segment? It's uh, whatever it is, it's America's favorite that. So uh, this week's for the door, since uh, myself, Jamie, Mark, who we had on earlier, since we're all hopping on a plane within the next, uh, what is it, seven, eight hours, we're hopping on a plane to Venice, which by now I'm sure you've heard. Since uh, Venice seems to be known for its pasta, I figure this week's For the Door should be top four favorite pasta dishes. Now that's all-encompassing. Um, I don't want to give away anything, but it could be any anything that sort of basically includes a pasta, is eligible for this week's Four to the Door Top 4 Pastas. So as usual, Jamie Turkel, the Assistant Programming Director and Social Media Coordinator here at the Nahum Siegel Network, has joined the segment, though she doesn't partake officially on air. Um, she is always invited, as she is smiling at me. She's always invited, however she chooses to let me read her list, which means she can't defend herself which means she can't add on to anything if I mispronounce, which I am sure to do on this list because I haven't, you know, these words are, they're new to me. I don't even know how to say half of them. But uh, frankly, you know, as she could come and grab the mic. I've turned on her mic. Mic two is on. 
She's allowed to talk, but uh, she's choosing not to. So anyway, top four to the door. Top four pasta dishes on Jamie's list. Number four is baked ziti. I've I've got no qualms with it. I think Franklin is a little too low, uh, but other than that, it's, it's a good choice. Number three, mac and cheese. Mac plus cheese. Any sort of macaroni, any sort of cheese is what I'm hearing. Is number three on Jamie's list. Number two, fettuccine Alfredo. That's my uh, Italian accent. Um, let me know if that was decent, good, or excellent, because those are the only three choices there. Fettuccine Alfredo at number two. And number one, this this is where I'm uh, likely to mispronounce. I'll tell you how it's spelled. G-N-O-C-C-I and garlic sauce. Um, Ginacci. Is it, is it a silent G? Nachi? Gnocchi? Gnocchi? Is, is it, yeah? All right. Gnocchi and garlic sauce. So that's number one on Jamie's list. If for some reason you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's because I totally mispronounced it. But again, it's spelled G-N-O-C-C-I and garlic sauce, specifically garlic sauce, because the garlic sauce really brings it all together, according to Jamie. Again, four to one on Jamie's top four to the door, top four pastas, number four, big ziti, number three, mac and cheese, number two, fettuccine alfredo, and number one, gnocchi. And garlic sauce. And now, number four on my top four to the door, top four pasta dishes. Number four, and in homage to my mother, is tuna and macaroni casserole, specifically my mom's. I don't want someone to tell me they make a good tuna and macaroni casserole because, frankly, my mom's is a top four pasta dish. Um, how regularly was it served in my house? I have no idea. I feel like it was definitely a uh, definitely on Shavuos we had it. Definitely, I want to say probably twice a month, maybe, in a nice white dish. There was some blue, I want to say, like flowering on it. Tuna and macaroni casserole always came out amazing. Frankly, amazing. I can attest to it. My brother can attest to it. My dad can probably attest to it. Did he like it? I don't know. I should text him. But uh, number four, tuna and macaroni casserole, specifically Mama Pollock's. Number three... And this may be uh, a little interesting to some. It's a meat lasagna. Now, lasagna, a dairy lasagna with cheese is excellent. It's great. Um, frankly, if I didn't think of the meat part beforehand, it, it would be number three itself. But meat lasagna is is basically the same. It's lasagna but with meat inside. And anytime you could have meat over dairy, in my opinion, and anyone that has seen me would, would probably think this, this is my opinion, I always prefer meat over dairy. So meat lasagna Stands in comfortably at number three. And number two on my top four to the door, top four pasta dishes is baked ziti. Um, Again, that was on number four for Jamie's list. Number two on my list, uh, baked ziti is always quality, just just, uh, filling, yummy. All those other fancy words that go with uh, food, I'll have to uh, ask Next next time we do a a, a food related top four of the door, I'm gonna have to text Naomi Nachman, our foodie host here at the Nachman Siegel Network, who does table for two every Friday morning at nine a.m. here on the Nachman Siegel Network. I'm gonna have to text her for all those uh, adjectives that go with uh, food. I could I could also just you know if anyone's familiar with uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives on the Food Network. Guy Fieri, who does the uh, who hosts the show and pretty much tastes every amazing food in this world as part of that show, 
He's got a lot of adjectives also for fantastic food because, frankly, he says it in every episode because no food is bad on his show. Amazing. But uh, I might have to also email him and see what I could come up with. Anyway, number one on my top four of the door, top four pasta dishes is... What do you think? What do you think, guys? What do you think? Wacky Mac as a... Um, you know, I'm 24, as a, as a a bachelor living in Washington Heights, one of my go-to foods, easy to make, decently easy cleanup, Wacky Mac. Now, some of you may say, how many servings of Wacky, you know, they come in those, those small boxes, probably meant for two or three people, but for me, one box, and, uh, and I'm decently full. I mean, that stuff's incredible, Wacky Mac, number one. So again, four to one, top four to the door, top four pastas on mine is tuna macaroni casserole by Mama Pollock. Number three, meat lasagna. Number two, big ziti. Number one, wacky mac. And as usual, email me at yoni, Y-O-N-I, and If you have any pasta dishes that you think should have been in my top four or Jamie's top four, email me, yoni, and Leave a comment in the app. Um, send some snail mail to me. Somehow find me on the streets. However you want to reach me, let me know, um, and uh, I'll be more than willing to defend my top four list. I'll be more than willing to rip up Jamie's top four list. So again, yoniandachamsegel.com for anything related to the top four, four to the door, top four pasta dishes, or in general, any critiques, any words of feedback, any any words of wisdom for our show, you can always contact me at yoni at nachomsegel.com. We'd like to thank... Mark Zamek, who joined us way earlier on in the show to preview our trip to Venice. Make sure to be tuned in to JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network for the Jewish Unity Initiatives broadcasts from Venice. We are leaving today on a plane to Venice. Nachum and company, which includes myself and Jamie and Mark and many others, will be doing shows from Venice on November 20th and 21st. That'll be JM and the AM's audio and video presentations of the Venice trip will be available at NachumSiegel.com and on the Anison app, as we also spoke about the Saturday night's Malava Malka with Itzik Dadia and Daniel Ahaviel, excuse me, will be available on NachumSiegel.com and it'll, it'll be shown live. But for those of you in America, Shabbos is not over yet, so you could check it out later on on NachumSiegel.com. But if you're in Israel, Venice, or anywhere else that uh, Shabbos is over at, you could definitely tune in live for that. Again, thank you, Mark, for joining us, previewing Venice. Thank you, Tova of Tova in Israel. You can check her out on Facebook there. Tova Kanech, the regular contributor here at Bite Sized. So she interviewed Yonina. It was an, and it was a great way just to see how they're handling the success and uh, you know what's what's upcoming for them in the future. And thank you to Lior Zamek, who was at the Chalabake last week for the Shabbos project with that uh, wonderful the speech we heard from Charlene. So uh, thank you, Lior. Thank you for spending your last two hours here with me on the Nachum Siegel Network. A reminder, you can check us out all over social media on Facebook at Nachum Siegel Network, on Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net, on Instagram Nachum Siegel Network. If you haven't yet downloaded the NSN app, you are one of very few people remaining. So go ahead, download the NSN app, head over to the App Store, install the free app on your smartphone, iPhone, Android, and get all of our content while on the run. 24 6. My name is Yoni Pollock, wishing you all a good day and reminding you that the bite size is the right size.